This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on our speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm here with my dear friend, Rahul. It's been a week since we put out the last episode, and I think we're struggling to find what to do with ourselves these days with no Premier League on the weekends, no Champions League in midweek, but maybe that's the mental health that we needed for this time, Rahul. What do you say? Oh, we definitely did. I'm I'm enjoying the break because we suffered for nine, ten long months, and so it's been it's been good. I've been able to focus on other things, uh, even though Chelsea and everything related to the club still keeps popping up. I'm glad you said that because I think while we try to focus on ourselves and we try to do little hobbies and enjoy the summertime, our phones keep buzzing, news keeps coming. At at some point, you wonder Chelsea's involved in everything going on in the transfers, and you're like. What's going on? So I think maybe we should just dive right into it. But before transfers and everything that's going on, there's a lot of news about the PIF and Chelsea and specifically how our owners may have some investments from the PIF. So maybe you can share a little bit of detail on what you know. Maybe start with what PIF is and what you know about how the investment looks like. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. So the PIF stands for Public Investment Fund which is basically a sovereign wealth fund owned by Saudi Arabia. Uh, and so recently they invested with Clear Lake, which is one of the co-owners of Chelsea Football Club. Mm-hmm. And they've teamed up with Boley, who's kind of the other part of this ownership in Chelsea, to put money into a hotel chain. Now, that's what they say on paper, right? Uh, that he's working, they're working with Boley in a hotel chain. But it's key to point out that the PIF has over 400 investments globally. And so this investment with Boley isn't something new. It's just the PIF investing their money in diversifying their portfolio uh, because they own obviously Newcastle, which is another Premier League team. They also own uh, Facebook and other tech companies uh, around the world. So they're not just focused on sports. They're focused on everything that can make them money, which is the right thing to do as an investor, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the with the wealth that Saudi Arabia has with the oil and everything. They just go around and and um, invest the money. So they've invested with Clear Lake. That is true. Uh, now, the extent to which they've invested, the extent to how much that impacts Chelsea, we don't know. Uh, and so we have to be careful here and, and not draw any conclusions and say basically Saudi Arabia is funding Chelsea or, or right. the PIF. Uh, but in a nutshell and keeping it high level, those are some of the key points to point out uh, in the relationship between the PIF and Chelsea. And again, I think this is just for discussion, nothing definitely proven or concrete, but it's worth the discussion of if you're invested in Clear Lake Group, specifically and Clear Lake Group is invested in Chelsea. And I think how this ties together is PIF also either owns or is heavily invested in several clubs in the Saudi Arabian League. I see on your background here, you have the Saudi Arabian, Saudi Arabian League uh, flag as well. If they're heavily invested in in those teams and those teams are buying players from other leagues and specifically Chelsea Football Club, that's where pundits and fans that are not Chelsea fans necessarily are worried about false play where maybe they're investing in Chelsea through Clear Lake, but through having their investments in Saudi Arabian football clubs, they are buying players from Chelsea, essentially double dipping. Again, this is just the way we understand what the noise around Chelsea football club is. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a financial person. I can't tell you exactly what that means, but in some cases you could have investments in different portfolios. And what that means is Maybe they have an investment with Clear Lake that doesn't dip into Chelsea. I'm not saying that's what's happening. I don't know the whole story behind it. So definitely something interesting and something to keep an eye on because when Manchester City has a lot of noise around investments from different corners, I think we as Chelsea fans are interested in what's going on there. So for us, just to keep an eye on and kind of understand long-term what these means for not just Chelsea Football Club, Rahul, but 
I think football, the football world as a whole, because Saudi Arabia is making some huge moves and they have the financial stability and power to do that and attract some big names. And honestly, some names that are a lot younger than you ever thought would be getting there at this point in time. So there could be a powerhouse in the footballing world if more players continue to go there. So it remains to be seen how that will play out. But any more thoughts on PIF, Chelsea, maybe the Saudi Arabian League? The Saudi Arabian League, it's... I want to say it's their major sport. Now, I'm, I don't want to speak for them, but it, it is the one of the bigger sports there. And you saw in the World Cup, which is what my background is, uh, they had a huge following in Qatar that came over from Saudi Arabia. They win their first game against Argentina, which was a, ma- a ma- massive moment for them uh, as, a, as a nation and as a footballing nation. And then Ronaldo joining them shortly thereafter uh, in the January window was a big statement from them to say we're here we mean business and their goal ultimately is to host a world cup in in saudi arabia and i think everything they're doing now in in the football soccer world is with that aim uh and we've seen this with china we've seen this maybe to a lesser extent with mls but we've seen this with the premier league too jackie where we've had roman come in 20 years ago or so and and they've and Chelsea went out and bought players but even before that you look at Manchester United who sure they weren't glorious or or strong owners that were that we have now that are always in the news but Manchester United always had the money to mm. go out and buy players and pick players up from the smaller teams and so that's the business of this sport which is it is all about money it's all about running a business making a profit and it just so happens that it's related to the sport so um it's not new it's just new that it's happening to the premier league in on the other side of it uh, and so it's an interesting time because you do expect more players to go to saudi arabia because for a professional player this is his career this is his opportunity to make money and as much as we all love the game and players love the game they do have to make money and think about their their future beyond just playing for 10 15 20 years depending on who you are so um something to keep an eye out for and it's only going to get better for saudi arabia i say for them because they are going to take like you said talent away from europe or other countries that maybe would have ended up in europe but that creates some competition and that allows the european union in terms of uefa and uh the clubs in europe just to look at that and say, well, what are what can we offer apart from money? I know Champions League is there. I know there's a lot of history related to uh, football in Europe, but it does bring up a question. And then on the other side is how is Saudi Arabia going to change the landscape with, sure, you have the players, right? But they can't win the Champions League mm. in in uh, Saudi Arabia and the Asian Conference. So that's another piece that I'm interested to see is how they work with FIFA, with UEFA, and maybe join the European uh, side of things and, and Saudi Arabia comes in as a, a new player. So a lot to be, to happen and develop over time, but uh, we just can focus on what we know and comment on that. Yeah, that's all we can do. And I think it'll be interesting over the next six months to a year how this plays out, especially as more and more professionals migrate over there and as more regulation, I think, comes into the forefront of how things are done with Saudi Arabia transfers FFP, if that even exists in that kind of level, I'm not sure. So it's a long journey ahead and we've seen this before, like you said. So we just have to sit back and watch at this point, but we started the conversation around investments and investments from the PIF and from Saudi Arabia, but our very own ownership Rahul has also continued their investments. And I think they've invested a club in France called Strasbourg. I believe they are in Ligue 1. And so it's an interesting acquisition. I don't know the exact amounts. I heard numbers of under 100 million to acquire them, which is in today's market, a very, very small amount of money. But again, it depends what you're trying to achieve, the league you're going to, what the expectations are, the budgets. And I understand that this is an investment from the Clear Lake, the Bowley Group, those kind of guys, but it does have some good connotations for Chelsea Football Club in the fact that there's going to be a stable, smaller club with no disrespect to Strasbourg whatsoever, where we can loan our players a little more stably that are not necessarily first-team players at Chelsea, and they get to grow under an environment that we have set up. When And when I say we, I mean the owners who are ultimately trying to make a profit, but the profit will come from 
managing these players through their career, through a smaller club, stepping up to Chelsea. And ultimately, if there's a sale involved, it goes on to a bigger club. But high level, what are your thoughts on this? I think this is always what Todd Bowley and, and Clear Lake has envisioned, and it's happening pretty quickly a year into their ownership. You're right. That's been the goal. They were pretty clear about it up front, that that was something that they wanted to explore. And the recruitments that they've brought in, specifically with Vivelle coming in from the Red Bull group, who do have their own multi-club model with uh, Salzburg, Leipzig, and New York Red Bulls here in the U.S. So uh, that was the intention, and this is the first step towards that. And it's just the nature of, of the business, right? They, it's not just focusing on Chelsea, but also what else can we do and spread our wings where these multi-clubs can work together and feed each other and share data and share players. And when I say share players, I don't mean to sound like they're just going to be bouncing players back and forth. But if there is an opportunity for maybe a younger player at Chelsea to go on loan, you could do that with a, a club within your own network and you know what kind of training they'll get, what kind of mm-hmm. uh, education they'll get at this club within the network versus sending them out somewhere else and then having to track and control all of that. So it's smart from you know our perspective as, as Chelsea fans and as, as a Chelsea ownership group. Uh, because it feeds into what this Chelsea brand is going to be and become, uh, which it's not a small brand. It's a, it's a massive brand around the world, but this is going to take it to the next level. So um, as long as it's done the right way, the legal way, and, and there isn't shady or dodgy things mm-hmm. happening behind the scenes, I think it's the right move. Yeah, and you know, we were linked with Ugarte a few weeks ago and there were talks about Chelsea potentially, and sorry, not Chelsea, but the Clear Lake group potentially buying an ownership stake in there and that kind of caused an uproar so i'm pleased to see that they've gone ahead and and done a purchase with Strasbourg, and it's separated from transfers and things like that around chelsea but long term it does make sense for whole like some clubs that are smaller that don't have huge transfer budgets can go out there and spend 15 20 30 million on the next big player up and coming but a club like Chelsea can. A club in Chelsea can go and say, I'm willing to spend 15, 20 millions on a Connie Chukomeka, Cesar Caseda, I think, correct pronunciation. We, we discussed that before. And say, while they are big investments, they're not necessarily going to have the opportunity to play week in, week out and show and develop correctly into what we, we think they can be. So why not loan them off to a Strasbourg, which we've made a lot of fun of the French league in the past, obviously, it not being as competitive as maybe a Premier League or a La Liga or whatever the situation may be, but they are top flight football league at the end of the day. And so it's a chance for these guys who are expensive, quote unquote, for a regular team to go and buy to now get higher quality talent coming through and compete. Does that mean I'm expecting Strasbourg to loan 11, 20 players from Chelsea? Absolutely not, but maybe a couple. And you look back in history and you talked about the RB model, right? Chelsea's always had a multi-club model and it's never been formalized it was never Roman Abramovich owning them but for the longest time Chelsea took all of our youngsters and loaned them out to Vitesse out in Holland and a lot of those guys developed out there spent a good time came back home some didn't make it some clearly Mason Mount had a good time and made it through into the senior team so I think it's a win-win and I don't think it stops here I believe Todd Bowley is now talking with Rio Alve if I'm not mistaken Ave to try and get maybe a controlling ownership there, which is to extend the multi-club model from England to France and potentially into Portugal. And I'm hearing eventually into South America as well, because I think that's where a lot of talent is coming from. And again, it's I, I support it at Smart Business. It helps Chelsea, but it also helps other clubs, like you've pointed out, to get some talent and maybe push from being a mid-table team to going on and, and pushing for a top four. Uh, of course, you... The other side of it, and, and rival fans will point out, is you're just using these these teams and clubs to develop talent and take it away from them and leave them with nothing. But imagine being a mid-table team and pushing and going for a top four finish. The revenue you get from that is a lot more to maybe attract some of the other players that you can't right now. So um, it's a business. Again, I'm not, I'm not denying that it's a business for sure, but it's kind of spreading your wings, helping others along bringing other talent along. And if they make it, they know maybe they'll end up at Chelsea, which is uh, where, you know, a lot of players want to be in terms of the Premier League in London. So uh, I'm okay with it. And and it's interesting to see where else this model is going to go. We'll stop here for a second, just to take a quick break from our sponsors. But before that, Rahul, just wrapping up the multi-club model, I think 
it's been done. Manchester City have a multi-club model. RB Leipzig have a multi-club model. There are a couple others that we talked about Chelsea's historical allegiances with other clubs. And I think if there was something that stood out as being an issue, it probably would have come to light at this point in time. Obviously, you cannot force Strasbourg to take any and all of our players on loan. There are financial implications with that. You cannot force them to sell any player. I almost think of Erling Haaland when he was in, I believe, Salzburg, in RB Salzburg. He did not go to RB Leipzig. He went to Dortmund. There was an easy step there, but he went to the highest bidder or whatever the best career step for him there. So there is a level of control. And so I think it will be an interesting development over time. But let's pause here for a quick word from our sponsors. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. All right, and we are back from our sponsors, and maybe we can transition into a Mason Mount update. And I'm sure fans listening are tired of this saga. Rahul, I think we did not want this to start to begin with. And when it did start, we did not want it to drag out to go on with. And unfortunately, both those things have happened. I cannot say for sure, but it also seems to be souring the relationship a little more. I think Mason Mount's campus said... They absolutely want out. They do not want to sign another contract. Sell me. Get me out of here. And Chelsea saying, we will sell you, but for a certain fee. And Man United is getting upset saying, I think we've given you a fair fee for a 24-year-old England international who has only one year left on his contract. And they're at a difficult point in the negotiations now. But what can you share with us as to what you know so far? I I think you've done a, a good job. United have bid twice i believe at this point uh it started off with 45 million plus five and add-ons it went to 50 plus five so we're currently at a 55 million pound package and that is not where chelsea value mason mount chelsea did have a and this is where it gets a little blurry or you know there's a he said she said kind of situation but chelsea did have an offer on the table which then got rescinded and there was a new offer not until after the World Cup in February, which was lower than the first offer that I believe was agreed upon, verbally at least. And so Mason Mount and his camp were upset, were not happy. I can see why. Um, And so we're now at a point where United in a negotiation are saying this is our final offer. It's classic negotiation, right? You you kind of say this is all I got, take it or leave it, kind of force the other side. We're hearing, not from Mason Mount directly, but we're hearing that he wants to leave, like you said. he's mm-hmm. He doesn't want to stay here beyond uh, the years that he spent here uh, at Chelsea. So there's a lot of rumors, a lot of stories, a lot happening. Um, but United can't tell us <laughs> what we should be charging them for our player. It's like... Yep. You're trying to buy something. You know the market value for it. Sure, you can try to go a little bit under. And Chelsea have been open. They said, listen, we're going to reject this second bid. But come meet us. Let's have a conversation. Let's meet face-to-face and have have a discussion as to where this can end up. And United seem to be pulling out all the stops. And they've even said, now we're going for Caicedo, which is our target, uh, <laughs> which will cost them definitely more than $55 million. So uh, I think this will get resolved. It's just classic negotiation between two parties and two clubs that uh, want the same thing. They just want one wants more and one wants to pay less. It's a very strange negotiation because I think Chelsea initially said selling price is 65 million. We're open to discussion. Man United come in with 45 plus five, like you said, so 50. So there's a 15 million discrepancy. I think you said it went up to 50 plus five, so 55 million all in. And I think the last news I heard, Rahul, is Chelsea are willing to go to 58 plus 7. So there's still a slight discrepancy in what they're looking for. And I think ultimately we'll get ironed out. I have started paying attention to some Man United blogs and Man United forums. And I think a lot of the Man United fans are extremely frustrated with their team internally. And I think it's an interesting one because Mason Mount only has one year left in his contract. So ideally, Man United should have a lot of power here where they can say, 
we're not going to sign him. We're going to walk away from the table and we will come back next year and pick him up for free. And all you've done is you're going to have a very upset Mason Mount sitting on the bench or, or not even featuring for Chelsea because he wanted out and it's not worked out that way. But in typical Man United fashion, I think they've made a threat where they're going to walk away. And up until now, we're recording this on a Sunday night at 10 p.m., they have not walked away, which tells you they do want this player. It's their top player. And the links or the rumors of them saying, okay, we're not going to go for Mason, we're going to go for Caicedo, that's great. You can go ahead and compete. But it's a completely different profile of player. And so is it Caicedo or Mason Mount and you're going for completely different profiles or is Caicedo a replacement for the Mason Mount target, which doesn't really make sense as to what the negotiation style is. And I think that's what's almost spurring on Chelsea to say, we'll stand our ground at this point because they don't really have a plan as to who their backup is. And I think that's important to note. If you look at Chelsea, the profile of player they were linked with was a Declan Rice a Caicedo, a Romeo Lavia, an Ogarte, similar types of defensive midfield players that make sense to fit the position versus I think what Man United is doing is a little strange and might be the negotiation tactic. So ultimately, I hope it gets resolved. I think you and I have been very vocal that Mason Mount could have a future here and should have a future here, but I think it's too far gone at this point as we've seen and we're hearing from all camps. So hopefully we can get this resolved very quickly because I think that incoming cash is what will be used to fund the, the pursuit of Caicedo at this point in time. Yeah, and and that's fair. I do think if he doesn't want to be here, he shouldn't be here. But the other side of me is saying, well, if this United thing falls apart, there's mm-hmm. no one else in for him. Mason Mount wanted a quick resolution before the start of preseason. If we get to a point where July 1st comes around, Pochettino is now in the building, Players are coming back for preseason. Mason Mountain is still a Chelsea player. Is there a world where he can stay with the squad, work with the squad? Because he is a professional. We've never heard him complain. We've never heard him say whatever has happened in the background or or drop hints. I mean, we. I point to the likes of Wayne Rooney at United, who every few years would be like, yeah, I want to leave. And then they would give him more money and he would stay. Or even a John Terry, I believe, who's publicly said that he had an offer from Man City, mm-hmm. which was something that was on his mind. Ultimately, he ended up staying. He got what he wanted from Chelsea. So uh, players do tend to talk. Mason Mountain hasn't done that. He's, for whatever reason, communicated through his camp, his dad mm-hmm. or or whoever you want to say. And I take all of that with a grain of salt because Mason Mount has been here since he was six, seven. Mm -hmm. And yes, things can break down and we've, we've touched on, on what's gone down and maybe he feels disrespected. Maybe he feels the new ownership isn't treating him the way he thinks he should be treated. And that's fair. But is there a world where Pochettino can convince him to stay another year? And within this year, the relationship can be mended between him and the club. And he maybe ends up signing another three, four, five-year deal. Harry Kane did it after saying he <laughs> wanted to leave. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the the romantic in me that's hoping hoping for a happy ending. But I'm just wondering if there is another side to this that we can see. L- listen, it's a great point. And I think there's going to be definitely a section of Chelsea fans that would be excited for that to happen. But the question I have for you is, are you willing to risk the 50, 55 million that's on the table today in the hope that he might sign and he doesn't sign. If he doesn't sign, will it be a poor move from Chelsea to leave 55 million on the table? Or is losing 55 million for one year and having Mason Mount in the squad worth it to you? I think that's an important discussion as well. To to me, 55 million right now, sure, we need the money. We need to comply with FFP, but we're going to touch on some of the other sales that are happening and other players that are leaving. Do we, I mean, I, I don't know the details, right? But do we really need that 55 million that badly? Clearly not, because Chelsea haven't agreed to it yet. Yep. As you said, 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. Maybe they will before the end of the month, which is about a week away. Um, but no, I, I, there's always a risk he could leave on a free. But if it comes to a point where he has no other option, he has to stay. I can see him being a professional and giving mm-hmm. him giving it his all, all. And if he becomes an integral part of Pochettino's system, 
if a new contract comes up, it's where he wants it to be. And and look, we're saying if and that and maybe we don't we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I'd love to see him stay. I'd love to see him work his way back into that eleven and be a part of this Chelsea team and club and and success because he belongs here. He's one of us. It's it's like when Mata went to United. His career, sure, he went there to play, but his mm-hmm. career kind of went down because Mourinho ended up there. Yep. Matic went to United, didn't really do much. So, I don't know, Mason, if you're listening, if someone from your camp is listening, grass isn't always greener up in Manchester. Maybe just stay in London and, and fight it out and convince the club to give you that offer that was once on the table. So we're all going for the fantasy ending where we get to keep Mason Mount and he signs a contract. I think... Logically, Rahul, I wouldn't risk the 50 plus million that's on the table. I think I love Mason Mount. I'm looking to the corner here. I have a signed jersey for Mason Mount. We met him. Lovely, lovely person to talk to. But ultimately, you said this in the beginning, football is a business. A business needs to be run without emotion. So I take my heart out for just a second and I say, Chelsea need to get the deal done, take the money while they can, move forward, and then get moving on the other targets such as Caicedo. And at some point, we'll talk about transfers here in just a second, but at some point, you need to look at that attacking midfield role with Mason Mount potentially out the door, Kai Havertz out the door, which we can transition to in a second. You need to maybe spend the money and recoup some of these going on. But any parting thoughts with Mason Mount, or do you want to move on to some transfers going on? No, hopefully it gets resolved one way or another in the next four or five days, and everyone can move on or do whatever they need to, uh, because it's... we. We don't need to be in this whole saga for another month or so. Definitely not. It's something that gives us a little bit of stress. And again, to replace him later on in the season is something that's difficult to cope with. But let's transition. We talked about outgoing. So you and I have discussed players in a bloated squad that we wanted to leave. And some of the names that are leaving Chelsea were definitely not names on the list that you and I talked about. We've covered this a little bit, but let's run through them really, really quickly. Mateo Kovacic, it's done. Just waiting for formal announcement from both camps, but he's going to Manchester City for, I believe it's 30 plus 5, 30 plus 5, which is not horrible considering what we paid for him, I think. And he also has a year left in his contract. Are we going to regret this one with the defensive midfield options or the deep-lying playmaker options? I do think we're going to miss his ability to carry the ball. We're going to miss his ability to dribble and get out of tight spaces, but... It's one of those where this season there were times where we were like, well, this isn't working. Maybe he should be moving on. And I think we're suddenly feeling that we're going to miss something because he's going to Man City. He's going to a rival that we know will bring the best out of him with Pep and the system that they have there. So I think that's more to do with it than the fact that it's down to Kovacic and the player, who is a fantastic player, not disrespecting him, uh, but just him going to a rival and making them better is where my pain point is. I want to stick in that position, right? Because we've lost Kovacic now. We talked about N'Golo Kante. He's left and gone over to Saudi Arabia. He's confirmed as well. And before that, in January, we lost Jorginho as well. So I'll pause for a second because Jorginho is not the most liked Chelsea player. But the reason I bring him up is we've lost three senior midfield players that, that play in that pivot or hold the team together. And we're left with Enzo. And don't get me wrong... Enzo's look good when he's come on, but still new to the country, new to the league, barely speaks any English, and now he looks to the right, looks to the left, and he's like, I guess it's me and Conor Gallagher holding down the fort for the next year. So definitely some concerns there, but what do you make of that with being light in midfield? You're, you're spot on. We've been light, even with the three players that you mentioned. We've been light. I know you you can say Loftus-Cheek was there, Mason Mount was there, Gallagher was there. But for a club like Chelsea, you look around and you say, if and then Golo Conte is out, there's nobody in the squad that can do that job, right? So, um, yes, we're down to Enzo and, and Connor right now. But with the names that we mentioned with Caicedo and some of the other defensive players that are linked to the mm-hmm. club and expected to come in, we're just refreshing our midfield. And it's an area that we haven't invested in apart from Enzo for a long, long time. So... It's an area that we need to invest in, an area we need to refresh. Um, And hopefully we get the right players in that can complement each other and be there and build that spine that we had 10, 15 years ago with Makaleli, Lampard, Balak, Essien, Mikel. Um, So, yes, it is concerning, but I do trust that the club is going to uh, 
bring in some reinforcements for that position. Yeah, fair point. And I think the club needs to, this is just my opinion, stagger contracts. I don't think we should be getting into final years or players on one year left all at the same time in the same position. Because that really thirty one. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in the next three or four years, I think someone needs to sit down and reevaluate the contracts and say, we want X player to stay a little longer, so give him the extension sooner rather than later. And oh, player B, you're no longer in our plans in two years. Let's try to move you on now so we have the power in some of these negotiations and get better deals. But let's move higher up the pitch. A name that has frustrated many, many Chelsea fans, but we maybe haven't seen the best of him in a Chelsea shirt, is going across to London, and that is Kai Havertz. He's left us with some amazing memories, notably the Champions League. But Rahul, £65 million for Kai Havertz, age 24. I believe he had two years left on his contract going to a, a London rival who was going for the, the title as well. What do you make of this transfer? He was definitely not on all of our list to be leaving the club. He wasn't, and I think that's driven by the fact that he does have age on his side. He does have the Champions League winning goal on his side, which no one's going to take away from him as a Chelsea fan. But we have been frustrated with him for a lot of games. We've expected a lot and not seen it often. So... For that much money, it's honestly, I'm, I'm okay with it. Now, it's going to be interesting to see. We were talking about Kovacic and going to, to Man City and making them better. Sure, Kai Havertz gives Arsenal the numbers or the squad depth that they didn't have. But I, it's going to be interesting to see how he improves them or how it changes the way they play. I I don't know because uh, we've seen him as a, as a number nine. We've seen him play as a striker. He's clearly not going to be doing that. But I've always said he works better with the front man. And so if he's partnering up with the Jesus or someone else that comes into into the club at Arsenal, he may be a, a player that we regret selling. And, and that 65 million will look like, well, that was it. We couldn't have gotten more. But at this point, sitting where we are, seeing what we've seen, it just seems like a good decision for everyone involved. And I think we paid 71 million. That includes add-ons. And I'm sure... With us winning the Champions League and a couple other trophies, we probably paid all of that 71. So on the grand scheme of business, I think 65 is okay. Again, the worry is he's going to a rival. He may get the right position. Kai Havertz has shown pockets of brilliance and shown that he can play in multiple different positions, like you said. So hopefully we don't regret that decision. But worst case scenario, I think we wish him the best. He's also been one that's never been negative or said too many you know, negative things about Chelsea Football Club, which has been good. And we know he's had a tough time in his time that he's been here to try and fit in and get the business done week in, week out. So we'll see how that plays out. Do we want to move on and talk about some of the other exits? Maybe not so high profile because we were we were waiting for them to leave, but they all ended up going to Saudi Arabia, which is where we started our segment with. But Hakim Ziyech, Kaladu Kulabali, of course, I, I covered Kante already. Edward Mendy have all made exits to Saudi Arabia. Can you share with me maybe the clubs they're going to, some of the players they may play with, and if you know a little bit about the amounts that we've made from them? Yeah, so Kulubali has gone to Al-Hilal, which was confirmed today. So uh, we'll come back to him and get your thoughts on how it started and where it went wrong. Mendy's on his way to Al-Ali. Uh, Hakim Ziyech is moving to Al-Nasser, where Ronaldo is. And then Angolo Kante and Karim Benzema are at Al Etihad, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players leaving and and going to Saudi Arabia, which is drawing up a lot of heat and questioning from media and rival fans and um, questioning everything that Chelsea is doing. But it's just an opportunity. I mean, Chelsea are, are smart businessmen. They're run by smart businessmen who've identified. Saudi Arabia is an opportunity where, look, we're not getting millions or we're getting over the the asking price. We're actually selling players for less than what we bought them. Of course, in the case of Kulabali, he's only been a year, been here a year, so his book value isn't what we paid for him a year ago. Um, Hakim Ziyech been here four or five years at this point. It feels like just hasn't worked out, and and it's an, another opportunity for him to go and continue doing well he's he's a good player i think he'll thrive in that league and 
we get what we need is getting him off the wages, Edward Mendy getting him out. He's clearly not part of the plans, mm-hmm. which is another one that I'd like to get your thoughts on because two years ago, if you told me we'd be selling Mendy for pretty much nothing, I'd be like, there's something wrong with you, Jackie. Um, and then Angola Conte was, I believe, just the right thing for everyone. And uh, it's not over. It's There's still going to be a few more that leave. I don't know if it's to Saudi Arabia or somewhere else, but uh, let's go back to Koulibaly where... He came in a year ago, and I think we were all very excited. We saw him in preseason. We are like, wow, he looks great. He's going to be great for us. Started off decent, especially with that goal against Tottenham. But where did it break down? I think this is the combination of issues when you try to sign players for a manager and then fire managers very, very quickly. Koulibaly, like it or not, was a signing for Thomas Tuchel. He was a signing to play in a back three maybe somebody to bring a little bit of experience and replace the likes of Rudiger and Christensen, who we never really replaced when they moved on. I also think that we brought him in two or three years later than we should have. And I don't mean anything by that we should have been pursuing him two or three years ago. I think his best or his prime days were two or three years earlier where he had a little bit more pace. He had a little more strength and energy and maybe would have settled down a little bit better in Chelsea. The turmoil has not been good for anybody with the with the change of managers, change of ownership, firing managers. I think it's just caused a lot of havoc. And ultimately, the moves I'm seeing Chelsea make are definitely moves towards a Maurizio Pochettino system. Systems that we've seen him play with Tottenham for many, many years and to a certain degree with PSG as well. He wants fast ball-playing players who can really control the ball. And I think... The defense for Chelsea in particular is well-staffed. I think we have a good amount of centre-backs. I think we have a couple of left-backs, maybe three even at this point if Ian Matson comes back. We've got cover for Reese James at right-back, and we know that if we get a Caicedo, he can play there as well. If Ruben stays, he can play there as well. So defensively, we're fine. You could pick a hat and say, who do you need to pull out? It was the easiest name to pull out, and I think he has a big enough profile and a big enough following that the Saudi Arabian League would have wanted a player of his profile as well. And there's one name, Jackie, that we we didn't touch on, which is Levi Colwell, who now has an opportunity to be one of those center backs. And Pochettino ends up playing with a back four. So do we need five center backs? I don't know. But Levi Colwell had a great year at Brighton. This was an opportunity for him to come back. And having a Koulibaly, who's 30, 31, 32 even, blocks that path for a younger player like him. So I'm excited that... He is going to be getting an opportunity, hopefully in preseason, which is where he'll get to impress and show Pochettino that he deserves to be part of the squad. And Koulibaly just, I do believe it would have been better in the second year, but we'll never know and we'll we'll just have to go off of the one year that we saw. But I do agree with you. The turmoil wasn't good for anyone and we wish him well. We hope he does well in Saudi Arabia and wins a few a few trophies there. Yeah, and listen, I think the biggest thing, and I'll transition it on to some of the other players, we have taken for granted the wages that some of these guys have come in on. Koulibaly in particular, I believe, was 325000 a week. While you can justify that for players who are fantastic and performing well in their prime of a career, that was a poor move from Chelsea to give Koulibaly 325000 a week at the age of 32. I think he was in a four-year contract as well. We were going to be tied into a very long-term basically a way of bleeding cash out. And so I think overall, it just made sense. Transitioning to Hakim Ziyech, he's never been the player that we saw at Ajax. I think he's well-suited to maybe a slower-paced league. In full honesty, I've not followed the Saudi Arabian League before. I don't think many people have, so they can't comment. But I would assume it will be a little slower for him, a little bit more of a chance to show his inward cutting and crossing, which will be great. And linking up with Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm sure he can get him a couple of assists there and help him to break another record or two. So that'll be great overall. And Mendy is, for me, surprising, I think. And I think it comes back to my original opinion about we're building this team for Mauricio Pochettino. He wants people who can play with the ball of the feet. And Rahul, you've been the first one to raise your hand and say, Mendy's fantastic. He's a great shot stopper, but ball of his feet, he's making you nervous. Every single time you see him, he makes you nervous. So I think they've made the decision. I think you and I have made the rumors that Poch has been watching since maybe January and he already has a a list of players that don't fit his style. He's probably presented that to Chelsea and when the opportunity came, they said, yeah, he's on the list of players that don't fit his his style. Let's move it on. But to go from 
a Champions League winning goalkeeper and winning the African Cup of Nations with Senegal and then to go to the way he's exited, I think is a little disappointing. He didn't really get a chance to have a full goodbye with the Chelsea fans. He didn't. And again, if you had told me even a year ago that a year down we'd be getting rid of or selling Mendy, uh, it would have been like, yeah, that that's not happening. But that's just what this team, this league is evolving to, which is ball-playing goalkeepers. And we've seen it with Allison, with Ederson, with Ramsdale, even at Arsenal. You just need to rely on your goalkeeper to be able to distribute, to connect passes, and not just be a goalkeeper, but almost be this extra man that can play outfield. Um, and Mendy... Honestly, I think it was not last season, but the season before where he made that error against Benzema mm. and then followed that up against Leeds where uh, Brendan Aronson scored. And I think those two moments really convinced everyone that this was not going to be the, the person or the goalie that we would we would be going forward with. So we wish him well. He gave us some great memories. And hopefully this isn't his end in Europe because he's only 31 and that's just the beginning of her goalkeeper. But maybe he'll be back and and continue in Europe. We'll see how that plays out. But these sales and these exits brings us close to 120 million in payments. I'm not going to say profit because I do know you need to kind of pay off and balance the books there. So that'll be interesting. And it does take some heavy wages off, like I said. It's still a few more players to exit the team, I think. And I think that's going to come over the next few weeks. But let's talk about incomings. The worst kept secret in Chelsea transfer <laughs> history and Christo, Christo and Kunku is back and comes into the club. Lovely scenes, great welcome, blowing his little blue balloon and doing his celebration, saying Chelsea's blue. Had some kind words, talked about himself as well. We talked a little bit about Christopher and Kunku, but with Kai Havertz going and Mason Mount potentially out the door, seems like he's a natural fit for that attacking midfield position. He is, and he's he is really good from what we've seen. I take that with a grain of salt because he's yeah. coming from from the Bundesliga, and we've seen how that's gone for us in the past. But he's good at dribbling. He's good at taking players on. He's good at finishing, which is something that we've lacked. Uh, so an exciting signing. I kept telling myself, don't be excited. Don't be excited. See how it goes. But from everything I've seen, I am excited, and I hope that he can get started well. But with all these sales and all the movement happening, I'm a little bit concerned because we're now going to be expecting Nkunku to perform right mm. off the bat. Not that we weren't, but it almost gives you a little bit of a buffer if you have others around you that know the league, know the team. Um, that's going to be a little, little, little interesting to see how he evolves and takes this on in a new league. But there is a talent there, and, and we did a good job securing it way, way, way before everything went down and we got out of the Champions Leagues because I don't think we would have gotten him if we went down to it now. But good business, good player. Fingers crossed for a good start and career at Chelsea. I'm glad you mentioned that because honestly, if we do not sign in Kunku before we're out of the Champions League, you're right. There's no way we attract him to come to Chelsea at this point in time. I'm glad his interviews were very professional and humble because he could have been saying... I'm not sure why I'm here. I saw what happened last <laughs> season. I'm not sure what mess I'm joining. But hopefully they're all excited. Hopefully Marcio Pochettino will be in soon to talk to these players and get them to put their mind at ease. We don't want to have some of the players that are in his plans maybe nervous when you see so many outgoings and maybe some that you didn't expect. You're wondering how we're going to be looking next season. Are we going to be competitive? So it's going to be interesting. You talked about Nkunku and goal scoring and finishing and we've not had a good time last year and honestly Rahul for the last three years or four years we've not been really good since maybe Tammy Abraham and Giroud that we've been able to score a lot of goals right so Chelsea have secured a signing from I forget if it's Villarreal Villarreal if I'm not mistaken yeah. but Jackson is coming in I believe he's also from Senegal as well and we've got him for 35 plus a little bit extra so we broke the uh, transfer requirements, but we paid a little bit extra so we could have favorable terms. Whether that means we're paying it over two years, three years, I'm not sure. But uh, young, exciting talent, 21 years old. I'm not sure what that means for the line. Is he going to be leading the line? Is Chelsea striker business done? Are they going to go out on the market? But sticking with Jackson for a minute, I believe he scored nine or 10 goals towards the second half of the season. Maybe that's what attracted Chelsea to him. But is this part of the scouting department doing their business? It definitely is, because if you asked me if I knew who Nicholas Jackson was three weeks, four weeks ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, 
and not to say I'm like the standard of, of scouting, right? But it just goes to point that we're identifying talent that maybe not a lot of people or teams are looking at and we're getting them early. Now, how they transition over and mm. perform and get the opportunities is a whole different ball game. But um, getting them early, getting them in, getting them acclimated, and maybe even sending them out on loan, like a, a Datra Fofana, to say, we own you, we want you to be here, but we want you to get a little bit more experience before you know you come back and, and join the squad. So a good signing, in my opinion, 21 years old. We've gone for the big names. We've signed all the strikers around Europe that we thought would cut it. Maybe this is someone that we didn't really know much about and we'll come to learn about him through his goal scoring and his abilities for the team. I'm definitely hopeful, Raul. I think you made a very good point. We have signed some big names in the past, obviously going back to the likes of Torres and in between Moranza and, of course, most recently Lukaku. And unfortunately, all of those have ended not the way Chelsea would have wanted. Of course, Torres wins a Champions League and Morata wins a league. And you, you think those things are important. But ultimately, it wasn't the records and, and the highs that we wanted from a team, right? So with Jackson, I like the profile. 21, six foot one. He seems to be very physical, very strong. And not trying to put Fofana down, but Datra Fofana came from maybe a lower league. And so maybe that transition up to the Premier League was too much. I mean, we saw some positive things from him to think that there potentially is a player there. But with Jackson coming from La Liga, hopefully he's a bit more or slightly ahead of Fofana to the point that we should be able to see him this season. But again, it depends on what the next few transfers and incomings are. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Before we wrap up the episode, I want to finish off with the man we've been talking about most of the time, and that's Caicedo here. I think we've said that we're waiting for the Mason Mount saga to be completed. Chelsea are going to go in aggressively for Caicedo. I know that we've been linked with paying about $80 million for him, but Brighton are looking for upwards of $100 million. Rahul, he's also 21 years old. He's also Premier League proven. He's had a great season in Brighton, but $100 million, And I know that's crazy because we just paid $100 million for Enzo. What are your thoughts on the Caicedo deal, and do you think it will go through? I do think it will go through. Whether it's for Chelsea or some other club, I I can't really say. But I know he's going to be leaving Brighton. And he's only been there a season. So, yes, he's Premier League proven. But we saw Kukurea, who was Premier League proven, mm. and, and how that went. So I'm I'm a little bit wary of this and, and overpaying in some cases for a player that, sure, he had a great year with Brighton. He's, he's still young. He still can develop. But with the players that we mentioned that are leaving, it's not like he's coming in and maybe going to be featuring in and off when Conte is not in the team. He is going to be a starter. (laughs) And to put that kind of pressure, we've seen how that's gone in the past. So I'm a little bit concerned by that, especially if we end up paying $100 or so. But that's the world of of football, of soccer that we live in. And and we've put ourselves in a position where we do have to spend money and maybe overpay in certain cases. And I'm sure Brighton are going to be looking at us and being like, "Uh uh-oh, not taught again. Uh, but they've gotten smarter about it, and I'm sure they'll try to get every last penny out of him before they they sign off on it. Yeah, I think they got every last penny out of him when they took <laughs> when they took Kukureya and when they took Potter, and that was a big big amount of pay- payment paid there. So, look, I think the little I've seen of Caicedo, he looks like a very physically strong player. I think we've missed that in midfield. Ingolo Kante was probably the strongest midfield player we had for a while, but with his injuries, we didn't get to see it week in week out. So. The 100 million scares me a little bit because I'm looking at that midfield and I talked about needing three or four players to fit that mold. And Rahul, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the likes of Cesar Caicedo that's coming in and maybe it's the likes of, you know, Chukomeka that's going to fill these roles. I'm not sure. And maybe Chelsea has a plan. But for now, I hope it doesn't drag out. That's the biggest thing. We want to see these guys come in for preseason. No excuses when we hit the ground running and should have hopefully Pochettino's top 11 by the time Premier League starts in August. But why don't you take us home, sir? There's one player we didn't talk about, Jackie, real quick, is Aspie. And he's linked to be going to Inter. I don't know what's between Chelsea and Inter. We just always tend to find a way to work with them and sell them players when they don't do that for us. <laughs> uh, but Aspie has earned it. He's achieved everything he could at this club. And uh, even though he has a contract till next summer, I believe the club are going to cancel that, terminate that, so he can move on. And that's another player that, has been a servant for the club, but someone mm. that we've 
grown to love and watch and came in for what seven million yep. a, a signing that we when he first came in we we're like Aspilil. we we couldn't even say his name we we're like dave <laughs> um and he's he's made sure that we learned how to say his name so um it's going to be coming to an end and it's i think a good time for both parties to end it because um we do need to move on and maybe evolve in that position but not taking nothing away from aspilicueta he's a legend for the club and we wish him well wherever he ends up. No, he's had some fun times and memorable times. Yeah, and he's won everything you can win while competing for Chelsea. He's been the captain for several years. And I think what I've noticed and what I think we will miss, Rahul, which is where I'm cautious, is what he does off the pitch, mentoring young players, mentoring some of the new guys coming in. Obviously, Aspilicueta speaks like three languages as well, which makes it easy to help players settle. He goes around routinely for charity events and you see him doing a lot of the off-the-pitch stuff that it's extremely important for a captain to do and just have that positive Chelsea face out there. So I wish him the best if he's looking for a new challenge. I think I've heard Milan is a beautiful city to go be in. So maybe that's what he's looking for towards the twilight of his career here. Absolutely. And maybe he can take them to the Champions League, uh, which is where, where they want to be. But Jackie, once he moves on, is Thiago Silva the natural successor to be captain at least for the next year it seems to be i think it's going to be down to him and keppa i don't think we have any senior players left in the in the squad and you know keppa is our captain he's our our manager as well manager. So, at point, <laughs> so at some point he may have to hold the armband with him being the senior goalkeeper as well but no look those two are the natural leaders left i think you you have a definite shout for maybe a reese james if he's fit enough to be next in line for the throne but i think those two will definitely be the ones in line it's interesting that we've gone from having players that have been here five, six, seven, ten plus years. In the case of Aspie, to being like, Tiago, you've been here two years. You're the most senior <laughs> player in the squad. Yep. Uh, but that's the transition we've gone through and, and continue to go through. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. Uh, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the chels. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.